Hey everyone, it's Tom Karadza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Terms show, we talk to Leslie Kitchen. Leslie has been with us since day one, or almost day one, um, at Rockstar, even before Rockstar was born. So it's kind of a treat to have her on and just kind of reminisce a little bit and go through her story of why she quit her corporate job. It, it was a government job, and she did some network marketing stuff, and then ultimately found real estate. So we kind of dive through all that. And uh, before we get into it, I want to mention... We have something that we do a few times a year. It's called the Your Life, Your Terms event. It's predominantly for Rockstar members, um, but we do open up a few spots for non-members to come to this thing. You can learn all about it at this URL. It's www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. Dot com. And this is something we do. Um, it started with like 30 or 40 people about 10 years ago. Now we have over 600 people at these things. Um, we uh, have a bunch of guest speakers. This time we have um, uh, uh, three guest speakers, which is high for us. We have Russell Westcott coming out to talk about raising money and doing joint ventures in real estate. We have Sasha from Greybrook is coming out and Sasha is going to break down where the big developers are looking to move next in the Golden Horseshoe. So when I say big developers, I mean like the big home build builders like Tribute Homes and Daniels Group and these guys, what they're doing. Um, Greybrook was recently involved and approved to be some of the money behind the developments around the Hamilton Harbor front. So we're going to get some really good insight into the Golden Horseshoe and the next development moves going all, all, all around Toronto and the Golden Horseshoe. So that'll be super insightful. And we also have Craig Ballantyne. And Craig Ballantyne is a high-end coach who coaches people to create their ideal lives. He works with executives and really high achievers. He doesn't come out to these things kind of very often. He charges thousands of dollars for his workshops. He's coming out to speak at this thing. Um, so we have a great lineup and then Nick and I are doing a bunch of talks. Um, we're going to be talking about Airbnb. We're going to have our economic update there. Um, Nick's breaking down some of the local trends that we're seeing in the real estate market um, when working with, with investors here at Rockstar. So we cover a lot. It starts at 8.30. Registration opens at 7.30. Uh, it ends around 1 o'clock or 1.30. Um, it's October uh, 13th. Am I right on that? Saturday, October the 13th. Yeah. So uh, we're coming up to it. Um, so if you want to get all the details about it, you can go to www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com and check it out. We do these uh, again a few times a year. Uh, they've turned into a lot of work, um, but we always get good feedback about them. So that's why we keep doing them. So the next one's coming up soon. You can check it out at that URL. And uh, with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so we are live with Leslie Kitchen. And Leslie, you don't know this, but one of the first times I think I ever really saw you in action was you were tying balloons to open house signs oh my goodness. you were doing an open house i guess in oakville okay um when you were with keller williams because that's where we met you at the keller williams brokerage in oakville yeah and uh you were busy tying uh, balloon signs to open house signs mm -hmm. do you remember doing that i remember doing okay. that okay i don't remember meeting you that way no no i drove by i was like who's that and you know why i kind of uh, i i kind of turned my neck and kind of rubbernecked and looked at you i'm like wow like 
I hate doing open houses. I got my real estate license and I never want to do that. But this person's so dedicated that they're not only putting out the open house directional signs, they're tying balloons to their sign. And I just thought, whoever this person is, they are definitely serious. And I said, that's when I, I think I doubted whether I was in the right thing. You know, I was like, I don't know if I should be in this real estate thing because this person's committed and I would mm. never tie balloons to open house signs. So oh I, it was very impressed that, that that one action really kind of impressed me with how dedicated you were to the craft of, of real estate. But I'm curious, and I guess you've told me this. Why did you get your real estate license? Because you didn't get your real estate license. This is not the first career for you. No. What 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 was the thinking? Okay, um, no thinking, <laughs> convincing. Um, I had you probably knew I worked in the corporate world for like twenty two years. I worked at WSIB, so um, left that to become an entrepreneur, network marketing. I and forget I, which network marketing. Yeah, so I was with a company called ACN. Oh, and, got it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, somebody my husband worked with. Uh, recruit was trying to recruit him at the dining room table one night and I just happened to sit down and watch what he was doing and it blew my mind I'd never saw you know a compensation plan like that before and the concept made sense of getting paid when people pay their bills so it just totally made sense and I jumped right in and then two years later I decided to leave my full-time job and just put this full-time everybody thought I was crazy <laughs> yeah, that's. I could see how they would think that. That does sound like a crazy thing to do. Yeah, it probably was. A, I did. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it enough to make it feel crazy. I just did it, and then um, thought about it later. And um, yeah, so I spent seven and a half years in that business, and uh, there was a point in that business where I lost belief huh. in the people I was working with, like the. What founders. was it? What, what What was it that made you lose the belief? Was it the potential you thought was possible or belief in what you were offering and selling? So it was a combination of a bunch of things. So I, um, it was a belief they were, so the company was breaking rules that they had set in place and I didn't trust, um, they were constantly changing the compensation plan and then they were, um, I don't really want to. No, no, that's fine. I don't know. I don't want to bash the company. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Um, but I'm interested because I hear that about all, a lot of different network marketing companies, yeah. but, and I've only dipped my toe in ever to them. I've never really, yeah. I've gone to different things. I've even been set up on one or two, but I've never really sold any product. Yeah. Um, and this would probably be 15 or 20 years ago. Cause I also kind of, it blew me away. What, yeah. what, what, where I never progressed with them was, and I know people are, who are successful with these yeah. companies. Um, for me, it just seemed when I looked around the room at the different uh, things I went to, the introduction sessions, mm -hmm. I always thought these guys were making more money off selling the personal development aspect mm -hmm. of it and not the actual product or service that they believed in. It was always like, come to this course or buy this like personal development yeah. sales course. And it really wasn't about, it was more about selling the opportunity and not like how we help the customer. That was my my yeah. interpretation of it. Uh -huh. And it, I can never bite on the whole opportunity because of that. And I, I just never, but you spent time in it. And I've heard, we don't have to get yeah. into the details, that's fine, but I've heard, you know, of course, if they change compensation models and you're thinking yeah. you're earning one thing and it changes, it can be disheartening. Yeah, there was a lot of things that went on. Like there was not just one thing and it happened over a period of about six months. And um the, what I loved about the company, like it was a service-driven company. So you were, um, 
you know, helping at the time I started, I was legitimately helping people save at least 30% on their phone bill and then getting paid every time they paid their bill. So it was a win-win and it just made sense. Yeah, got it. And then it. the concept was that And as was, long as I've known you, you've always been about the win-win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it, and then as they add on more services, your income was supposed to grow, but there was a lot of things that happened that that wasn't quite exactly how it worked. And and then the last kind of final straw was there's just some ethical stuff that was going on. Got they, it. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to get into all that, but what what happened is I remember the defining moment. It was like the middle of February. 2005 and I'm sitting there on the phone like I calling people so there's people somebody I was calling that was a uh, contact of somebody on my team out in the Durham region and I was halfway through that phone call and I all realized what was coming out of my mouth I didn't even believe in anymore Mm -hmm. and I remember hanging up the phone and that was the last call I could make and my mentor in that business um, he said to me, I phoned him, I don't know if it was that night or the next night or shortly thereafter, and he spent three hours on the phone with me that night and telling me I should get into real estate. Wow. And he said- Wait, he, this was your mentor in that business? In that business. Was basically said, hey, if you're not, you're not feeling he, an integrity anymore, get well, out. Well, he hadn't believed, he wasn't believing in the company either. So- there was a whole bunch of people not believing in the company oh, geez, anymore. I was one of the last people off. that kind of. Maybe you guys are the reason that the <laughs> yeah you guys took off on the company. I'm joking. I'm joking. Nick stepped yeah. in here too, and Nick, can you say something so we can test your audio? Yeah, I, I you know what, what I'm still back on the win-win thing. I always thought that was such BS. What the the network win-win? Mar- no, no. Oh, network yeah. Uh, yeah. Network marketing, I was always skeptical about because I had been invited to a lot of different presentations. No, no, I was thinking I, when, I was thinking win-win. Just Leslie as a person is always about I agree. What, what, you know, but I never, which is I, like rare. When, when was that? Like, did you ever have a point? So Tom, I'll ask you first, and then Leslie, because yeah. I don't know when I finally realized that this whole win-win thing was actually possible. Because the first few books that I would read, I guess at that time when I started reading that type of book about that was my like my late teens, early 20s. And I read those types of books about, you know, you can create win-win situations. I'm like, yeah, right, that's a load of BS. It's just like, <laughs> if I'm going to sell something or if I'm an investor, I'm going to win and the other person's giving me money. So they're, you know, they're loose. So I didn't really buy into that thing. And then it took me a few years, probably mid to late 20s before I was like, oh yeah, no, this actually, this is like a real thing and that's that's how it works did you you guys did you either of you guys ever have those thoughts or no it's just me that was skeptical i'm skeptical about a lot of stuff just early on so. yeah I, I don't ever recall having that thought no so no, you're I nicer, don't think you guys are nicer than i am is that what no, I, I, think. I just don't remember having the thought that no i never have i just don't recall yeah that. i i always just thought that uh there was enough opportunity in the world for me and for the other person so that if I just focused, maybe I still focus selfishly, like I wanted to win. Mm. <laughs> like maybe I, I like still, winning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like maybe I still thought I'm going to win in this, but I never thought the other person was like losing. I always thought if I just stay in integrity and get what I need, there's more than enough for everybody else as well. And it all works out. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't thinking someone else is getting screwed if I yeah. win. I just thought there's I, more than enough opportunity. So I wasn't thinking that so that makes sense and i wasn't thinking that but but no i I hear what you're saying looking back i was in it for myself i was like no this isn't win-win this is like i'm going to do this so i win you know that was that was legitimately Mm -hmm. you know um i think i was was more young i didn't know i didn't know any better yeah no i think i was more interested in those types of situations to see who when i was negotiating with someone how far they would take that out of interest Mm -hmm. i'm like how far is this person going to push me yeah. You know, like how far, what, how much do they have to get to think they're winning here? Yeah, yeah. And I was always surprised, but I think that Nick, I think that's normal. I think that's normal. 
the way you were thinking. Like, I think that's kind of like normal. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, now. it's different. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and that's, that's what always Especially when mind. we read all those sales and negotiation books when you're first getting into sales and mm. it's like, you know, you can manipulate the situation by saying these words and getting somebody oh, to believe this. Sale, and I got trained on a lot of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I remember just thinking yeah. the whole time, this is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to be like this. But uh, yeah, so for me, I think it was reading some of the personal development stuff that just made me think, huh, if you just do your own, do you, there's more than enough. Yeah. And I don't know when it hit me that it was possible. Because like, I remember reading about it and not really buying in. And then I, I, I can't remember the turning point when, or I guess I was probably just looking back on some stuff and I was like, wow. It really is possible, and and it literally changed everything for me. And I know you've always been like really good at that. Leslie's been like, like the the lead, you know. The no, lead. I know. So I know. like a guiding light in that. But I think what what I will say today is that if you you can get run over by trying to be a win win person, like you can still be like think there's enough opportunity for all of us, but you have to stand up for yourself. Oh yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that either, because I think I did go through a phase of like oh, I'm just gonna let things happen the way that mm. I think they should happen and you do get abused that have way. Have I ever told you guys my airplane plane philosophy no. about taking care of yourself? I don't think so, no. So it's not, this I, This doesn't apply to all parts of a, life because like when I mention it to my wife sometimes in certain situations she might not agree with me but I'm like, look, it, you, got, you got to take care of yourself first so if she, she'll be laughing about food because we'll still be making food for the kids and I'm already eating half of it because I'm like, I'm hungry, I can't wait. I'm like, look, the airplane, don't forget the airplane. You got to put your own mask on first. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. I agree with that. Yeah, but sometimes she will like, she'll be like, you know, in certain situations, she's like, you're an ass, I'm going to smack you. But but that's what I mean. I mean, because so many people will, to your point, Tom, they'll sacrifice themselves Mm -hmm. to help other people. And that sometimes I think... Yeah, that's not right either. it, it It can do you all disservice because if you're going to do that, if you look at it in long term, you can't help as many people when you're sacrificing yourself. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself. Did you first, go through you know that right? phase, Leslie? I have gone through that. Yeah. yeah. When did you realize um, that you, to stop doing that? Um, well, I don't, I think I, there was different periods. Like I went through a period just before I'd gotten sick actually. And, um, and I was, what I saw, so it was, what I saw is I was constantly out of integrity with myself so I was really good at keeping appointments and commitments to other people. But when it came to myself and my own commitments, I could just, oh, okay, I'll let that slide or I'll, oh, put that aside and I'll do this. And then it just built up after a while. And when I got really present to how out of integrity I was with myself, it was, it was. How, yeah. how did you get present? It was actually through taking a course. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just really, it was a, made you realize I, I got really present to how out of integrity I was with myself and how I'd let my schedule, um, just not operate. So when I make an appointment with myself, it has to be just as important as my appointment with you or somebody else. Yeah. I've taken a lot of pretty yeah. good personal development stuff over the years and a lot of mm-hmm. live stuff too. Um, I think my first live stuff, do you remember Harv Ecker's stuff? Yeah. I took a lot of Harvard. No, what am I saying? I took a lot of, no, it was our mom who took a lot of Harvard. <laughs> I went with her to save her from taking any Harvard <laughs> stuff. And then she took it all. I didn't do a good job, but I took his one course. He got me thinking pretty straight. That was a, that was a long time ago now, but, uh, Still yeah. the, 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 for me, the first audio program and you know what mom had it playing at when we were kids, we would walk around the house and he was playing in the background, personal power. Yeah. Personal mm. power was big for us. 
Yeah. I, I don't know how old I was the first time I listened to yeah. that. Like I heard it in the background. All those cassette tapes. Yeah. That's so great that she but had that, all that. Yeah. That, yeah. <coughs> it, it really, it really is. Yeah. She'll never give herself credit for it. We've yeah. tried to give her credit for it. She'll be like, oh, she'll brush it off. But yeah, um, yeah it, it really, really was. She also took us to meditation camp when everybody else was going to that. summer camp. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Toronto Central Library. Yeah. Where are we going in the summer? You're going to a two-week meditation <laughs> camp. I thought really? it was normal. I just didn't know any better. Yeah. Like, you were older. We're in a you banquet hall. Like we're meditating in the middle of this banquet. <laughs> hall they're teaching us about like oh my god i'll never forget like they were teaching you how to get present and then to see your life and visualize and do all this crazy stuff but anyway yeah. we're getting off topic for okay you, <clears throat> you were asking about real, real estate. estate so you then <clears throat> these you all can yeah. decided together you're going to get your real estate license. no 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 he uh, just told me he had been really successful made millions of dollars in real estate is that he was used to be a baltimore police caught police um, oh cool yeah he was no longer doing that he was down in florida and he he's still to this day we're good friends but he um he told me, get your real estate license, you'd be really good at it. And I said, and so three hours of going on and on about it, I finally said at the end, I'll make you a commitment. I'm going to look into it. I'm not telling you I'm going to do it. So then I went on the Aria site and I looked at all their, um, what their qualifications were. And I thought, yeah, I have those skills now. So this would be yeah. about 2005? 2005, 2005, yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then I did a simulator test with Royal Page. And I was exceeding the average real estate agent in most of the categories. So I thought they have some kind of simulator. They had test? a simulator test. What's the simulator <laughs> test? I'm even scared to ask. No, Where would know. you put the open house signs on the corners? No, no, it was more about people <laughs> dealing with people. Okay, but, got and, it. And, okay. Um, and then I um, just started taking the course. Still not convinced that I'm going to do real estate. And I started taking the course in March, and by July I had my license. And then I thought, okay, I have to interview all these brokerages to see where I'm going to work. And I prefer to work in Burlington because I lived in Burlington at the time. So I went to four or five different brokerages, and and instead of handing a resume, I handed them my charter. I don't know if you remember that. Like my charter was my purpose, my values, and what I stood for in life. And and holy most of crap! <laughs> you must have put the fear of God in some of these people. <laughs> they, they Here's confused. my charter, how I, I live. This is who I am. Yeah, like, that's cool. So no, no, think about my history or what I did for mm -hmm. a living. Just this is who I am. And so I was pretty well received from a couple of brokerages. One just kind of threw me out the door. <laughs> and then I get out of here. Right. And then I went to um, was in my phase three exam, and I come out of there, and uh, Stephen Burrells. I, I remember, remember him. Yeah, he yeah. handed me this flyer about this new brokerage they're opening up in Oakville, and they hadn't opened it yet. They were still operating out of a house, and and I look at it. I said, "Sure, I'll hear about it." And I sat down and I heard about it, and it just totally resonated with me because their value system was so in line with my value system, and they were really high on education. And I I think a lot of um, self development and education. So um, I. Uh, I'll just jump in and join them and you know they didn't have an office yet and then when we got off you guys I think started around yeah because right, right? Uh, so while you were going through that I got my real Nick just got his real estate license I got it shortly afterwards and I remember thinking uh and we got our real estate license because we were buying rental properties and we were like, man, yeah. we don't even really need these realtors. We'll just get our license and we can just do this stuff by ourselves. But then I realized, oh my God, I got to put myself at a brokerage because I can't just have my real, I didn't even know, that's how little I knew. I, I'm like, I didn't know that we had to join a brokerage. And then um, it was a flip that we were doing or that I was doing with Ruben. And uh, Ruben's like, I know this guy. He's really good. He's a good realtor. Because we were trying to sell it privately and we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> we were failing miserably. <laughs> and uh, we we had to list it. And he knows, I know this guy, Art. 
<laughs> and he goes, uh, this guy pulls up in a jet, like brand new Jaguar, oh. comes in, and he, uh, I go, uh, and I, I was just about to get finished my phase three or whatever, and he said, I'm with this new, or I'm about to go to this new brokerage called Keller Williams. Yeah. You should learn about it. And I looked into it like you, and I'm like, oh my God, they're all about education, and they work in integrity, and I'm going to Keller, and I went to, I think I went to Steven's house or someone's house, and they made me watch a video, mm-hmm. and I think they just stared at me in the kitchen while I watched the video in the family room by myself about this brokerage and I'm like yeah guys I'll join like I don't know how this thing works I so I didn't interview any brokerage I just went to some guy's family room watched a video and signed up at Keller Williams and then so you were there and that's how we ended up there yeah Nick were you somewhere else temporarily no uh, no I don't think so I remember going to the first brokerage that I went to I was living at our parents still so I was living the east side of Mississauga and I guess I went to blue sign Prudential or Cobo Bank or something. I don't even know. There's something out there. And um, I thought I was going on a job interview. Like, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. I was going on a job interview. So I got You didn't there. realize they just basically re- take anyone. Yeah. So then I realized <laughs> afterwards that they were pitching me on why I should join. Yeah, and yeah. I quickly realized, I'm like, oh, I, didn't, yeah, I, yeah. Had, I left there. I was like, I didn't know that's how it worked. Yeah. So it, it was just backwards to me. Yeah, for years, I think we thought brokerages were about helping people sell homes. We didn't realize brokerages' business model was about getting a lot of agents in the door and just seeing what happens. Yeah, the majority you know? of them. And it's the majority, the not all are, of them, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a totally... Di- I had no idea. I had yeah. no idea. I Maybe I didn't piece that together in the... in the uh, My, my we're exams slow. were open book, so I don't know if it was in there or not, because I never read I don't the, know if I do. I just... Yeah, yeah. I, I never read I anything. Remember. I just yeah. opened. I just showed up at the exam, opened the book, and said, "Okay, let's figure out how to how to pass this yeah. test now." <laughs> I remember doing that for the last one, <laughs> which I was that? law. I probably shouldn't admit. No, that. it was open <laughs> book. You were allowed. I did the same yeah. thing. I'm like, oh my gosh! And I remember having to write fast and hard for that one because I'm like, this is this one's taking oh, me a long, yeah. took me a long time to look up the answers yeah. and then copy them onto the page. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so you got your real estate license. You joined Keller Williams, yep. and uh, did you think at that time it was? right for you like what, what was your no what? um I was still trying to figure out if this real estate thing was going to be for me and if it was in line with who I am and and I remember um because it was okay um you know helping people buy and sell houses but I really wasn't getting a lot of gratification of the ongoing relationship because I was used to working with people that were up to something and and working with people that really had a vision for themselves in their life and wanted to make something of themselves and that's what I was missing. And um, and so I said, I don't know about this real estate thing. My fr- girlfriend says, um, well, it probably has to do with working with investors. I said, yeah, you know what? Who ever would invest in real estate unless they're up to something, unless they want to create something for themselves in their life? And at that moment, that's when I thought I was thinking, that's probably it. So then I put all my articling courses were in line with real estate investing, and then I borrowed $10,000 from my dad and and flew out to Calgary to take Greg Hasbrit's um, course. Oh, yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, because I... Oh, I, I don't know if I knew you did that at that time. Yeah, I was... Because oh. um, I had been into peak potential courses at that point, right? Got so, it. Yeah, and he was teaching at peak potentials. Yeah. Got it. So okay. I heard about him and I didn't have a lot of money because I had... So what was your family... Uh, yeah. At this time, what's your family saying? I don't know. Um, you mean what, the, what they're saying about yeah, what like, I'm doing? Yeah. yeah. Are you crazy? Yeah. Are you crazy? Like you had committed know. seven years. So they just supported you the whole time? Well, Mike did. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't remember getting a lot of negativity from my family. No, your kids just always thought that. Well, that's my kids how, were kids. Like yeah. they were still fairly young. They were still growing up when I went got into ACM. And then they started getting actually... But in real estate, yeah. they weren't just kids anymore. No, they were kind of grown up. 
Um, so they just thought that's our mom. She does crazy shit. I don't know what they saw. <laughs> I like that. You just carved out your own path. Screw everybody. Well, I just didn't put a lot of thought to what they thought mm-hmm. or if they said anything, mm-hmm. whatever. I had a You've lot said of that now I twice, a, Leslie. I had a lot they, of backlash on um, when I was in ECN about I wasn't attending family events. I wasn't always in with my friends because I was so focused on the business. So I remember getting a few friends. I remember one particular friend telling me that that's all you ever talk about. And I remember, but for myself, what I remember is that I was not talking about that because I knew she didn't want me to talk about it. But in her mind, that's all I talked about. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so that was the only time I remember um, having like something that was kind of confrontational and got it. And I was a bit disconnected. Like when I stopped working the, the network marketing business, I really got to see how I wasn't participating with a lot of social events that my husband was going to. And I, cause I was so busy doing other things. Yeah. So, you focus on stuff really well Yeah. when so. you, but you, and when you quit a government job to do that ACN stuff, did anyone try and stop oh, you from that? Oh, a lot of people at work thought I was Because how long were you working in the government? I was there for 22 years, and I had was like a, about 10 years from full pension benefits. And so I why had, did you pull the trigger? I just saw opportunity on the other side, yeah. and I guess I believed I could do it. Mm-hmm. But most people yeah. would just ride out that last 10 years. So you were just, the, the, the weight of that 10 years wasn't worth it for you? Well, I actually liked what I was doing there. So it wasn't that I didn't like there. There was a point, there was at one point a few years before that where they, um, the company let go a whole bunch of people, like a whole bunch of my peers that were in management. And all of a sudden they just let them go. They didn't um, reassign them to, there were, they were, were, were too many managers. So they need to do something. But instead of offering them a job in adjudication where they have a lot of experience, they let them out the door. And when that happened, I remember really feeling like this company doesn't value the people that are working there. They just, and if they don't value these people, they're not valuing me. And so there was a bit of a different shift in how I felt about the organization, but I was still enjoying my work and, um, yeah, I was able to work from home. You're such an interesting case. You like, liked what you were doing, but you pulled the trigger with 10 years left to go. Cause most people would tell me that they were going to bash their head through the wall and that's why they pulled the trigger and did something else. No, I just saw there was more opportunity here Mm -hmm. and that's why, why I just did it and it, yeah. So when you, and then, so when you, if I skip now forward back to the real estate stuff, you yeah. start working, we cross paths yeah. and I'll never forget. Like mm-hmm. I remember trying to explain to you because at that time we were a pretty decent at generating interest and we were starting to break where we couldn't really help all the people that uh, we were starting to get, yeah. raise their hands and say, I want to work with you. And I remember, I think we put an email out to Keller Williams, which was a small amount of people and you responded and immediately. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, so it just lined up perfectly because we didn't know you were having these thoughts. Yeah. And I remember pulling you into one of the empty offices there and I'm like, okay, well, um, Leslie, Nick and I are doing this thing. We work with investors and it's like this membership and we have a newsletter. And I remember thinking when I was explaining to you, I'm like, this just sounds crazy. But it just fit like you were just, you were like the so. only person that we met who was like, this just sounds really good. This sounds really? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> yeah. else, I think, was just confused and uh, didn't really get it, didn't understand. I mean, a lot of people, well, a lot of people told us behind yeah. our backs that we were going to fail working with mm. investors. Like, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Um, and then you just started working with us and we just we were so clueless that we didn't even know like how, you know, 
how it was going to work. We just, you just came on, started working with us and we all started working with investors together. Yeah. And then you started pulling the marathons of showing people to, I know Nick and I, you are the master. You are the master <laughs> of sure. the marathon viewing properties. Because I showed we, this person 25 properties today. Yeah. I'm like, you what? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we would, we would show an investor, like if I showed an investor, like eight properties in one day, I remember being exhausted because like every property you had to explain a lot, like how much mm. rent they would possibly get, the cash flow, what's wrong with the home, why not to buy this home, even if they liked it. Mm. Um, yeah, because it wasn't the typical showing processes, you know, oh, do you like it or not? No. OK, let's go to the next one. It was like, OK, well, let's analyze this a little bit further as to supply, demand, numbers, you area, know, area in yeah, the yeah, city. Yeah. So to go you know? through it for that much is, is uh, yeah, I was always like, well, I don't know how after know eight how properties. Yeah, because and some people would want the cheapest home and I'd say, oh, well, you don't want the cheapest home because look at this street compared to this street over here. You'll rent out the properties better on a I better probably street. didn't talk as much as all that. Like I, now that you're mm, saying yeah, all yeah. that, I kind of remember. <laughs> I don't remember. So that's how, yeah, yeah. We were you're just long winded. Yeah, <laughs> I'm long winded. Definitely. <laughs> I just remember like I would analyze it myself in my head. I didn't always have it out and. Yeah, 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 unless yeah, yeah. they asked about certain thing or I'd point things out of why I don't think this is a good par- property. So that's why you yeah. were able to get, because after yeah. I was able to get through eight houses in a day, that would be the max. And then yeah. you would come back to the office and you'd say, well, I was working. Who are you working with? Who was there the, were multiple. John, it was John. John yeah. yeah, you were working with this one investor, John, and you came back to the office and you were like, we just viewed 12 properties or 15 properties and then you were going to, you had food, mm-hmm. you were going to eat and then you were going to write an offer. We were doing the numbers to yeah. figure out what yeah. Pro- yeah. So you had already <laughs> been together like it felt like 10 hours because we mm-hmm. were at the office doing a class and then you were going to eat and do an offer. So this is like yeah. a, a 12 hour day with yeah. one person to mm-hmm. make one offer to see if they were going to go through it. I remember looking at Nick going, oh my gosh, Leslie's incredible. <laughs> How does she do that? That's too funny. Well, yeah. And, and what was yeah. just going through your mind? That was just what it took. Well, I remember well, the first meeting, like I'll never forget that because I was so excited because I had had this thought I needed to work with investors. And then when you guys started working with investors, I went up to Nick. I don't know if he remembers this. And I said, I'd like to come in and see your free training um, when you were doing. <laughs> we were probably so protective. Yeah, of you it. were. We're like, no, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so Nick you're said, not allowed. Nick said, well, they're paying customers and um, <laughs> they, they would think it's really weird that you would be there. And I knew it was bullshit, but I just thought, I'm going to respect that. I get that. He doesn't want me to, you know. No, hold on, though, hold on. <laughs> like, I don't remember that. But just to be clear, if they, because. They if Leslie just called out your bullshit <laughs> no, right at the no, beginning. No, because if it was the free training, then then I, I would have still been protected. It wasn't the free oh, training. Right. It was yeah. the oh. fast, fast start. start. It and, was. And Which we, is for, we still protect and that And we cost. still protect that to this day. We're like, hey, yeah. look, at, to, yeah. to protect that is our, true, to actually, protect our yeah. integrity. We can't because we're saying it's a class for paying members. We can't have that. I thought you meant it was our introductory yeah, free training yeah. class. But no, because at that time we were still doing one on one. Yeah, we didn't even have the class. You're I, right. I know. Yeah, yeah. So it actually wasn't bullshit, but I, I did use that. Ex- <laughs> I thought it was. No, but I did use that excuse. <laughs> I would have thought the same thing. I would have. It was. A, it was a handy excuse to have, and I, and I was yeah. glad we had it because I was like, I, I'm sure I was thinking, yeah. and you were accurate in your thinking that I was like, I don't want her to see what we're doing. Yeah. So I was told. Totally and at that point, that, we yes. probably had ten members. No, we probably, probably had more, like 30, 40, 50 members. And we told them you can only get access to these classes as a member, mm-hmm. which yeah. we still do today to mm-hmm. this day. So and I we can get see a lot of people request, hey, can I bring this? And we're like, no, it doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah. It has to, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't get access but to the class. But if it was the free training and you said that, I would have still tried to come up with an excuse for you not to come. <laughs> so that I will admit. Because at that yeah. point, we yeah. probably didn't want anyone with a real estate license seeing what we were yeah, doing. Yeah, at that time yeah. we weren't letting yeah. them in, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 So that when you put that email out, 
immediately, I knew you were working with investors already. And so I immediately responded and said, yeah, I went and we sat in the back office. I remember exactly where we sat. And Me too. When you laid out the vision of what you were doing and you had gone down to Ohio and you told them, yeah, yeah. I remember you said, <laughs> You're not saying no. I'm shadowing you, and you're, you, 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 you know, for oh three God. days, and and then I phoned Nick, and he said, yeah, he's coming too, and and I like all the details. I remember that, and There's I went Tom's, home. Tom's promoter personality yeah. coming into. I was place. so excited. I got home. I couldn't sleep for two weeks because by the time you called me back for to talk again, a, a couple of weeks had yeah, gone sure, by. Yeah, sure, because we had gone. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't remember not worrying about not coming back I just was excited about that opportunity exists and then we sat down and the second t time and I remember saying to you Tom you have to decide because I can't sleep I need to know one way or the other I don't think we expected anyone to be so excited to work with us you know we were like who is this lady we were still trying to figure yeah, out yeah. how it would work yeah because like, how old were you here? would you have been at that time oh, when gosh. you met us because like I would have been about 33 ish well it was 2007 so yeah so we're talking so I would have been 49 yeah okay so you were, yeah, yeah yeah so and i was 33 and you were 49 yeah. and we were probably you were probably thinking yeah. who are these guys and we were thinking i don't know does this lady really want to work with us does she know how <laughs> crazy we are <laughs> the broker, no but the, you were up to something yeah so yeah. to me it was like got oh it. my god okay. they're up to something yeah. i can help out with that yeah. that's such a great way to look at life yeah. these people are up to something yeah and then um did you already have a piece of investment real estate or did we force you to buy something no what happened <laughs> is i had we had because that's what we did to a lot of people you didn't force me because what happened uh, um, I had, we had invested with, like we rented to students way back. So I had had a little bit of experience, but we weren't currently investors. No, I decided that if I'm going to um, coach investors, I better have some experience. So I went out immediately and bought a property and I had, like, I didn't have, I was in debt up to my yin yang, like, um, I yeah we had moved and, and I'm I, laughing because I get family it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'd spent like a hundred thousand oh, dollars on geez. courses so I was really in debt but I always had good credit I always pay my bills and I remember going into a mortgage broker and saying I don't know how you're going to do it but I need a mortgage <laughs> and and I bought this property and I, and I when I saw how he did it because that then it, they were mortgage rules were so lax and you could get they a were, mortgage for five yeah. percent down and Zero like down when I was signing the papers, I think, oh my God, that's how we did it. Oh my yeah. God, just sign the papers and we got the property. And and then that property was a lot of learning experience. I remember, yeah. I remember, I forget yeah. the first tenants that you went through, but I forget, yeah. I remember the neighbors had a problem with them. I just remember a lot of commotion yeah. with those tenants. Well, I went through four tenants yeah, with it. the neighbors and we finally got the lawyer involved to threaten the neighbor that they're losing their their see costing how we us got income. You, see how much you learned, Leslie? <laughs> oh, yeah. You see how valuable that whole experience was? Well, I know. All joking aside, though, like that's how you learn. Yeah. You know, that's how we tell everybody, hey, look, totally. there's only one way to learn. You can only read so many books. A bunch of, of my friends will say, hey, Tom, I've read a whole bunch of about real estate investing, but I still feel like I'm missing something. And I'm like, yeah, that missing 20%, you only learn that when you jump in. Because yeah. no book is going to teach you about some crazy neighbor, tenant, legal situation. Yeah. And if you have a good group of people around you, you're going to get through it. But you, you know, it's like that missing step on the bridge. You just got to take yeah. that leap of faith. And if you have good people around you, mm -hmm. you pray that it's all going to work out and you cross your fingers. Yeah. But that's what you did. And yeah, you, we didn't have to convince you. You're right. You no, just No, and you had the it. systems. Like that was the one thing, the word that you told me when you said you had systems. That was all I had to hear. I didn't know your systems at the time yeah, I bought I that we property. Because I think were very protective of our systems yeah, back I didn't then. know what yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah. I just went out. I thought, they have systems. They have my back. I'm buying the property. 
And I just had that confidence. And that's what I think we give to our members is we have their back. We have the systems. We have the experience so we can help them every step. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I was just talking to somebody in the corporate world and they were asking like, hey, how's like Rockstar is kind of getting a little bit bigger now and there's more people and stuff. And um, I was I mentioned that, you know, we're not perfect at it. But one of the things we kind of live by is do the right thing. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. always work out, but we try to do it. And even if that costs us money, it means we have to take money of our own pocket and fix a problem that we caused. So like if there was a, you know, an air conditioning unit that was promised to be somewhere and we missed it and it was our fault, then I guess we have to pay for an air conditioning unit or whatever that may be. And his response was so interesting to me because he said, you know, wow, that could, that could be pretty expensive. And mm-hmm. I said, uh, actually, you know what? It ha- really hasn't been, you know, like it, 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 it's not like you're always dishing out money on stuff mm-hmm. because it just kind of defines the way you behave. And it's yeah. not something that you, you already live. You had your charter. Leslie, um, but it's been something that we've tried to kind of instill. And uh, like I said, there's no way we're perfect at it, but it's it has been like a driving force. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear somebody from the corporate world just say, wow, that could be expensive. It just, it's such a different mindset. In the entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. that kind of defines, that's your guiding light. But in the corporate world, you just automatically default because this guy's a good guy, no yeah. fault of his own for saying that. It just, it defines, the, it, it kind of goes to the bottom line immediately. Yeah. You know, um, so I found that interesting. But so, yeah, you survived that property and then you started working with investors. And now, like how many investors do you think just ballpark? How many investors do you think you've worked with now? Oh, gosh. It's got to be. Uh, I don't know. Like yeah, I'm, we, hundreds. Oh, yeah. And then what, what is there looking back if you reflect back on some early investors? What are some of the lessons that you, you see some investors having to put themselves through? Like, is there something that kind of stands out like a trend with some investors that they have to go through this process before they get comfortable with real estate or they have to experience some pain before they get good at it? Like, is there something that you've learned over the years that some investors have to kind of face in order to to really feel comfortable in the uh, dealing with real estate? That's a good question. I don't know if nothing's coming like coming to my light as soon as I, you say that question, because there's a number of things. They, what are some it, experiences uh, that stand out over the years? Uh, what investors had to go through? Yeah, you know, just bad experiences or, or good experiences. There's some investors that definitely stand out in your mind. What is it about those people? Hmm. Just their determination and they're scared. And I think one of the things, like one of the things that for me that I get a lot of gratification about is the people that really are scared and you can walk them through going through over that cliff and then to watch them buy their second property and their third. And by the time they're onto that, now they're teaching me things. And, you know, so that I find that's really rewarding to know that I, that they talked for years about investing in real estate, never taking that step and making the difference for them and then seeing them grow into the point where now they're contributing to other people and myself as well. Yeah, that so, is cool. That That's one yeah. of the, the I mean, we often talk like without without those types of things it's it's yeah real it's estate never about, sucks <laughs> for us at least it's you know i'm not uh, a big real estate person mm-hmm. when it comes to like selling properties it's not you know the top of the list of things to do all the time but yeah. when you're helping people reach those types of milestones that they've always wanted to do and when we get those those stories in from people and stuff like that that is that's especially cool, the that people that, you, have, that keeps you going for yeah, sure that's especially awesome. the people that say they've talked about real estate investing for like 10 years, 15 yeah. years, 20 years, and they've never done it. And sometimes spent $30,000 on courses. And Why do you and think if, they feel comfortable it, enough with you, Leslie? 
Is it because you're mm-hmm. holding them hand through the process? Like what? Um, got the, what maybe it uh, takes a period of time. I don't think they feel comfortable immediately. It's taking them out there and ha- and um, just having the patience with them yeah. because sometimes it does take. They have to uh, hear like you see. Sometimes what's frustrating is you go out the first time with somebody and there's a really good property. Yeah, that is <laughs> always they the don't worst. Know that. That's always the worst. <laughs> they don't know when you're it. with a brand new investor who's scared and you hit a ten out of ten property. You're I like, know. oh, because then they just lump you in with the salesperson. You're I like, know. oh, I knew you were that salesperson. You're just telling me this is the best property ever. It's the very first one we walked in, and I'm like, no, you got to trust me. We walk into a hundred properties. We don't see anything <laughs> like this. You got to buy this right now. <laughs> and then, and then we're out there like four or five, six more times and they're going, they, they don't see anything like this yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I know yeah. some investors would look at me and Nick too and they would turn to me and say, well, why don't you buy this property? And I would always explain, we don't have any more money. The yeah. whole reason we're doing this is because we're out of money. Everybody <laughs> in real estate runs out of money at some point. And they would just kind of scratch their heads. You know, I'm like, no, it's the truth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was always kind of the worst situation. One of my crazier ones was, I'll never forget this one. Yeah. Nick knows this story because I always bring it up. I showed a, a, this, this guy a bunch of properties in Burlington. Single mm. family homes in Burlington. Think about think oh, about yeah. the and this the single family home in Burlington was two hundred and eighty nine thousand dollars. <laughs> think about that, Leslie. Yeah. For now, it's just for context for everyone yeah. listening to this. Like that same home today is probably like seven hundred thousand at yeah. least. Okay, yeah. and uh, it was two hundred eighty nine thousand dollars. And I remember telling the guy, "Oh my god." this property's like perfect, you know? And he, and he thought, ah, I got to think about it. I got to talk to my brother about it. And the next day he's like, well, my brother drove by the home and he pulled out some binoculars and he went across the street and he looked at the roof tiles and he thought the roof tiles, the shingles, they, they were going to, they weren't the newest. And I go, no, yeah, but there's still like 10 years of life in these things. And he said, well, I just got to be straight with you. I divided the property tax by the the home purchase price <laughs> and the ratio doesn't match what I read in this book on <laughs> on what a good deal is. And I said forget the freaking good deal. I go, I know how much that will rent out for. I know how much your mortgage carrying costs, yeah. your insurance is going to be in your property taxes. This property cash flows, that is a good deal. And I couldn't convince him. He walked away. And I remember thinking at that point, wow, it is hard to help some people because mm-hmm. and no fault of his own like he yeah. was just early in his process yeah and i didn't have the skills at that time to articulate what a great opportunity and this sometimes was. you come across as being real salesy totally if, if, at that and i'm point, sure he so. walked he, he i'm sure he canceled his membership and never yeah. worked with us again and just thought i was some sales guy but i really did have his best intentions at heart yeah. it's just it didn't come across i didn't do a good enough job you know, uh, with that, but you know, you've worked with some people now who've owned real estate for 10 years. Oh, more than 10. Yeah. 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 And they have a bunch of properties. They don't have one or two. Yeah. They have five, six, seven, mm-hmm. eight properties. You know, what's really cool. And I don't know if this has happened to you recently. Some members have come to us, uh, over the last two years, I'd say and say, Hey Tom, you know, I just want to tell you I'm refinancing my portfolio and I'm, I'm, I'm about to extract like over a million dollars that I'm going to be able to use to do other stuff with, including buy more real estate. And I'm going to be able to carry the portfolio and stuff. And I'm like, we're so busy, like helping people. Sometimes you don't think back and go, oh my gosh, like they did that themselves, but we were somewhat involved in that. And it's a kind of a cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've had that experience multiple times. Mm -hmm. What, any of those success stories that stand out that you can kind of describe? Um, especially the ones that started early on yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. and continued to buy properties for sure. They, you can see where they're living life on their terms or they're now being able to put their kids through school and they have no debt when they come out of school like that. And that was the fo- purpose of that property in the first place. So it's do they really articulate that? Do you hear have, those stories sometimes? 
Um, with other people sometimes yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i wish we kind of got more of that because sometimes i don't know about you nick when we do hear it i know it's happening more but i don't always hear it and i'm like i guess maybe that's just a selfish thing but when we do hear it i'm like oh my gosh that's cool even for myself having bought all the properties and being able to take equity out when i was sick i could i could do that and i still invest in a couple more properties and then you don't have the pressure of the the having to have income and and that sort yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. so it makes a big difference we tell everyone like I, and I strongly believe this that like if everyone just bought one single family home like or one or not even a single family home one good income property in their lives yeah and if they held that property for five or ten years it changes your financial future yeah you know and uh i have a hard time sometimes convincing people of that but something sometimes recently i was explained to someone i said look wh- wh- the way i understood money when i was growing up is that you worked for money like you earned money Mm -hmm. like you exchanged what you did for work in exchange for money and i thought that's how money was born like you did something of value and in exchange for that you got money but then as i learned more about the money system i realized oh my gosh that does exist that world exists but Mm -hmm. it's kind of a crappy way to get your hands on money because the way our money system works in today's world is we we are a, a debt ruled world all money was lent into existence And Mm. so that when I think backwards to that, I'm like, well, who gets the money first in this thing? Well, the government kind of prints some money. It goes through the banks. The banks get their hands on the money first. Mm. And then the banks lend the money out into the economy. And one of the primary mechanisms for lending that money onto the economy is the real estate market. So Mm -hmm. if you're involved in real estate, you actually have really early access to new money that's coming into the world. And I never thought about it that way. I always just thought you worked hard for money and you earned your money. Mm -hmm. But then I thought if I just reposition myself so that I get earlier access to the money and real estate is one of the ways I can do that. Am I still making any sense here? Am I still with you guys? No, Um, I'm going to, I want to finish this thought. Yeah, Leslie, I can tell by your your face. Trying to figure out. Yeah, well, I just really thought that like, oh my gosh, like money's create when you, when you get a mortgage for a house, that money's created out of thin air. Yeah. It didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I said, why am I waiting to go into a company and work hard and earn the money through the company when I can just buy properties and borrow the money, which is created of thin air? Yeah. And because the world is uh, created, because the money world is set up with that mechanism, if I can be smart about these real estate properties, these assets are going to contribute nicely to my life. And I know this is our crazy way to think about money, but I just thought, huh, this whole exchange of money for like earning it through work mm-hmm. is one way to make it. But if I position myself with the right assets, it's another way to make it that's and faster and it's a faster yeah. way to make it. Yeah. And once I realized that, I thought, oh my gosh, like I've just been thinking about money one way mm-hmm. and it's not been the best way. Yeah. And when I tried to explain this to some people, they absolutely think I'm insane. <laughs> and it's probably just because I'm not doing a good job uh, explaining it. No, it makes sense. I, I didn't think of it that way. My mine was just like, why can't I own things that people will pay me for? And and real estate was the easy was the low hanging fruit. But I, I I still to this day don't you know I'm not tied to real estate. If I could, if if I could uh, these books on the bookshelf here, if if people would pay me every single month and they needed to have those books around because it was as important as a roof over their head, I'd be all about the books. So I just feel I, that's for some reason in my head, that's all I thought about. I'm like, why? what can I own and have people pay me for? And I don't know where that triggered. And I think that was because I did that first flip and I let it go and I was left with a little bit of profit. And I'm like, well, who cares about it? And look, I was like 21 years old or 22 years old, I guess, when that sold. And I made 4,000 bucks from that. And $4,000 was like 
like a, like a bigger percentage of income in my life at that time. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty good. But I was like, this $4,000 doesn't really do anything for me. I, what, what, how am I going to, what do mm-hmm. I want that's going to do something for me? And then I, my whole goal when I started investing was to have enough passive income coming in. And, and at that time, I thought like passive income was like a true thing, not like passive income needs to be worked on, which it kind of does. Mm-hmm. But I wanted enough monthly income coming in from other sources to pay for my mortgage payment every month by the time I was 30. That was it. I had no ambition to, um, you know, own a million properties or to have a helicopter, to have a property on a lake, like not, none of that stuff. I was just like, that's that's all I was after. And then I realized very quickly that that, that was one way for me to be able to do it with that was relatively simple. It's not rocket science. Like it's it's simple stuff. No, it's kind of like a business in a box or a, a good rental yeah. property. It's like a business in a box. You buy the thing, you put up the for rent sign, people knock at the door, mm-hmm. you rent it out, you get money every month for it. It's like, it's the best little business that it can be. Yeah. There's one, back to your point about people, uh, you know, investor stories. There's one guy that I, I, always sticks out to me. Nice guy, super nice guy. We looked at a bunch of homes. We went out a number of times. This was years ago. Found him a great property. Um, he did the home inspection, backed out because of like the air conditioner. How many times have you heard a home inspector say, well, the air conditioner might be something wrong with the air conditioner, which is like, that means it can last six months or it might last six years. And very often it lasts a long time still, right? Um, he's like, oh, I, I can't do it. So he pulled out. He might want to invest forever. And at that point, he was a young guy. And at that point, they had a house in the Aaron Mills area paid off cash so they they were you know a decent job so they were swimming in this money but he didn't pull the trigger and i don't know if he ever did um after that because he just kind of backed away after that i think he got too close he scared him he got cold feet and kind of backed out and i just think of like all the lost opportunity for mm-hmm. someone that he was so adamant i'm going to do this i've wanted to do this for so long but one of the things that he did which i've seen a lot of investors do is they get out these crazy spreadsheets and they, 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 <laughs> we've they, all seen those spreadsheets yeah. and the numbers yeah. go so deep for like a single family home they work out the numbers in some to like to nausea you're like this is crazy i understand if you're buying a portfolio of stuff or you're buying multi-unit like there's all sorts of variables but a single family home man the spreadsheet's probably like the your worst you can depending on your personality type it can be your worst enemy yeah, it's I always boil it down math. to people simple. I'm like, have you ever met anyone who's owned real estate for 10 years or longer who has regretted owning the real estate? I've never really no. met that person. Like, just tell me, have you ever met anyone? You know, for, like, so don't tell me what your spreadsheet says, but find me the person who has owned real estate for longer than 10 years and said, you know what? That was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I've never really met that person. The only time I could ever think someone might have spoken those words is if you bought a condo in Mississauga around 1990. It took about eight, nine years yeah. because it came down in price pretty fast to come back. But uh, but any other time, you know, if you bought it in 1995 or 85, any 10-year period, you I don't I don't know of anyone who's owned it and, if, and mm-hmm. who would say such a thing. But that's yeah. the difference, right? Because most people, when they talk about the market, they're talking about a snapshot Short in time. Short term, yeah. They're yeah. like, well, the real estate prices are mm-hmm. this now. Well, yeah. So if you're buying for today and looking at sell, selling tomorrow, then that's got to be of serious concern to you, what's happening. You know, yeah. but to your point, if you're looking at holding on to it for 10 years, like if you're looking... To hold on to anything for 10 years, you got to worry about the value and, you know, then what's going to happen then. It's like when you buy a car. Look, you buy a car, I know you're going to use it, but you know in 10 years that car is going to be worth a fraction of what you paid for it. A yeah. fraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that in 10 years. But yeah. but so people will look long term on other stuff. But for some reason with, with certain things, some, some people, 
have a little bit of a block there because they're used to what's happening as what's happened in the past. What do you think you'll do, Leslie? Will you mm-hmm. hold on to your properties now? Will you sell them at some point? Like what, what's your thinking now at this point? I've just got one rental owned right now. We had one buyout this year and most of the others are, I have a student rental and the rest are all regular rentals. We've had a lot of, um, this particular year has been the year of having to do a lot of work on them. I this in less than a year, having the third person that we've had to evict in one property in, or no, three, oh, different, in three different properties. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So it's been one of these years where it's been a lot of money on the properties, but uh, you know, I went many, many years with, you know, no money spent <laughs> and, and different tenants in there. It's funny and, how it always comes together. right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden this is the year that, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm the one property we're working with right now that we're thinking of turning into two units. Um, I've had that property for seven years. The first tenants were there for what and, city is and, that one in in Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And then there is an, um, the current tenants are, have been there about three years and they're in the process of. Okay. Evicted, in Hamilton, so didn't someone so you just bought that at what you bought that first one at low two hundreds and it's worth mid four hundreds. Uh, no, high now? actually about two seventy something. Okay. And and you splurged on that one. Yeah, I had a, a tenant buyer first, and when it was came uh, up okay. to their three year mark, they um, they broke up, and then he tried to handle it on his own for another year and couldn't manage it. Um, so then I put a new tenant buyer in, and um, they were doing fantastic for the first two years, and then this year they just. And what's the value? Yeah. What's the value now, roughly? Like ballpark, four fifty um, to five hundred. It would be if it was in good condition, but it's in really bad condition. So I'd probably say low fours. Okay. So what are you yeah. going to do with it now? Fix so, it up? Yeah, we're completely fixing it up, and we're getting uh, quotes to have it turned into two units. Okay, so yeah. like a legal second suite. Yeah, and we're thinking of doing um, keeping the one unit, either renting it out or doing um, uh, insur- for insurance, um, where people because we know a guy that my husband plays ball with. That they're looking is, for like furnished rentals yeah so we're thinking about that or just okay. renting it out and then the other unit we're either going to keep for ourselves or rent that one out too we haven't decided yet because it's all up in the air because we saw a property we loved up north this summer and we've put two offers in on it and okay and got we're it thinking about like having that as our main property and then having a place down here and, okay got it but that's all up in the air right if now if you turn that one into a second suite nick and yeah. i just heard something insane about somebody turning a Hamilton house into a second suite. And Nick, do you remember the upstairs rent they were getting? It was 1900. Yeah, 1900. Yeah, three bedrooms Crazy, on the main, eh? a main floor. And of just a so anyone listening to this, this is, we're not seeing 1900 as the regular yeah. three bedroom main floor rent, but like that's, we're starting to see 1900. Do you remember when we rented the whole house for like 1600? Yeah, this house was being rented for 1850. Yeah, so 1900 yeah. for the main floor. And if they mm-hmm. rent the bottom for 14 or 1500. 29, what are we talking about? Like 30, yeah. 3,500 a month, 3,400 so a month? So I was doing some, a little bit of research today for the event coming up for that, for one of the presentations. And it, there's an, has been an increasing demand for higher end uh, rentals, mm-hmm. um, and condos included, and, and homes and stuff. So and, and we're seeing this trend now because we're seeing people more so than we did in the past that a nicer property. This, so this, this place was 1900, was just brand new, renovated, full, the whole house top to bottom was renovated, and the upstairs went for 19. And it was very, very nice upstairs. But in the past, you wouldn't be able to generate the same premium or generate the same amount of interest because it, it, both units rented within about a week or two weeks, right? So it's not only that it rented for a high price, it rented for a high price quickly. So there was lots of demand. So you're seeing a little bit of a shift just because of what people are looking for now or because of affordability, they might not, they're coming to terms of not buying something, they're, they'll pay a little bit more in rent to have something nicer, whereas in the past, you didn't get that as much. Yeah. So some condos even, 
what I saw is uh, there was one, I don't know if it was a condo, or I want to say it was almost a purpose-built rental. I think it was a higher-end purpose-built rental, and they have a theater room close to, next to a, a dog area where the, they can you can take your dog downstairs, mm-hmm. you can watch something like a movie or something, let your dog run around and watch your dog while you're doing that stuff. That's cool. We call it a bark, bar, a bark park. Right, in and the I know building, these, like within the yeah, yeah, wow. as an amenity of the building. And I know if you look at some of the other uh, rentals going up, so purpose-built rentals. If you look right here in Oakville, up Trafalgar, those purpose-built rentals are nice. It's a, it's looking for a different community, um, people that are selling their homes. I think they're looking for like an older, older tenant, o- no? older tenant, but it's not a retirement home. It's not they're a just retirement trying home. to advertise it as like an older tenant yeah, rental property. Exactly, and that's what, and, and and because of that, I don't know how they're actually going to do end. that, but there's a dem- there seems to be demand for them because they're renting out right now. So, so you think they're they're Asking for more rent, maybe. There, uh, yeah. Well, if you look at the rent numbers in general, have all jumped yeah, okay, over the last it. few yeah. years. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Even this, even the standard rent numbers that you're seeing being reported. There was a great slide that I found about the standard rent numbers. Uh, I think it was a City of Toronto s- a slide, and it's took the CMHC numbers, right, which is like the average rent amounts for purpose-built rentals. And it said, look, that's the average rent amount, but some of those people have been in there so, so long, that's why they're average. Here's the numbers that the new ones are being asked, uh, like what the new rents are, what they're asking and what they're getting. And there's a big, big gap, some 40, 70% difference in these in these numbers because some people have been in the property so long the rents are still artificially low. Yeah. So even the CMHC numbers we're seeing about average rent in Toronto are actually skewed lower than they really are. Yeah, That's it's crazy stuff. what's happening. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, Leslie, so yeah. you've been working with investors for a long time. Yep. You're a very insightful person and self-aware person. Mm-hmm. What lessons, for someone listening to this, what life lessons would you like to share? Oh, wow. um, the words of wisdom that you shared at this Monday's team meeting, do you yeah. remember those? Are um, those things that you... Yeah, that, I could share that. Well, no, yeah, okay. just what, what would you like to share with anyone listening to this, trying to figure out their own life, whether it's someone who wants to start investing for the first time, whether it's someone who wants to quit their crappy government job. I'm joking. I know <laughs> yeah, there's I lots a, of I happy... government job. I know, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> and you loved your government job, but you still uh, left it. I yeah. just mean, you know, for, for someone listening to this, trying to find their own path in their own way, yeah. what, what would you have liked to hear? Uh, hear? Um, well, I think um, it's never it's never a waste of money to invest in your own personal development money or time. And that I find a lot of people have either money or time issues around that. And I don't think there's ever that should, that could never like it, it. There's just no waste in exploring personal development and getting a better sense of who you are and what you, how you end up being, how you are. <laughs> and, and because when you get the insights, it can radically change how you go about life. Yeah. I believe so. the same thing. And then um, any any personal development stuff that stands out for you that you'd like to, to share? Well, Books, what, mentors, yeah. programs, anything? I, th- I think, well, when I got into my, actually my personal development, probably other than I remember taking a course when I was in my early 20s called Adventure and Attitudes. Um, and that course really stood out. But when I really got into personal development was when I actually got into network marketing. And that was one of the best things about network yeah, marketing exactly. is they have the Agreed. awesome Agreed. training. And then I got introduced to Landmark and I, that, that program in itself. Everyone seems to love Landmark. What's the full yeah. name of that? Landmark it, what? It used to be Landmark Education. Okay. Um, but it, they've changed it to just Landmark Worldwide. Okay. And there are known internationally. And there are live yeah. courses and workshops that you go to? Yeah. So the, well, the base course is called the Landmark Forum and it's three days and one evening. Okay. And um, that course can radically change, uh, you know, yeah. who you get a really fundamental look at who you are and how you end up being who you are and, and bringing it back down to, to nothing so that you could create whatever you want and that 
like I got to see a lot about myself in those courses. Yeah, cool. So yeah, I would say that would that course is an amazing course for people if they want to. I, I think for, for me, uh, it was two books. One was like $9.99 was Think, Think and Grow Rich. Yep. I remember reading that book and thinking, oh my gosh, I can really have anything I set my mind to. Can, it can work out. You know, I kind of knew that in life, but that really yeah. awoke it. You know, that woke that up and, and then marrying it with the personal power to stuff and Tony Robbins and stuff. And then Dale Carney's book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I don't know why. It just had a massively profound impact. And Nick, it, it did for you as well, that book. Yeah, right? I still remember yeah. that there's one lesson that's been probably the most valuable lesson of my life that I learned in that book. So yeah, what is it? Go, don't hold it. It's just always making things about other people. Never yeah. make things about, it's not about you. Whenever you're communicating with other people, no one cares, right? I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, look, if you're trying to tr- explain to people who you are, what you do, what you're about, no one cares about really you from, it's more about like what's in it for them. Yeah. You know, like how are you able to help them? And you always kind of position things that way. And uh, I think it's just been monstrously different you, you know every my outlook on a lot of things changed when I, I learned that a lot a lot of things and we, we you know we try to I try to tell everyone about that like that's the most important I knew thing. you were going to say that because I've heard you tell uh, yeah, say that before but yeah. I, at least for yeah. me that's I, I feel like I'm able to do that sometimes and when I am it, it's it's valuable yeah. it's funny how we take different things from the same book I remember different things you know yeah. that's, but, that's uh, like the only thing I remember from that book <laughs> by the way. No, that was I'm, a pretty valuable thing to remember <laughs> I remember the book was good yeah, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh, the last time I read it was a long time ago yeah. I should probably pull it out again but yeah. I mean you well, know. one of the things I remember from that book we're going to wrap up here it was just it, it said the sound of someone's name is the sweetest music to their ears mm. or something like that and I was starting a new sales job and there was a floor plan of probably a hundred salespeople in the office building I was in and I printed off the floor plan and I wrote everybody's name on every desk and I memorized it yeah. and then because I, I was new into, mm-hmm. and I was helping the sales team and I would walk around the floor and start just mentioning, you know, like, hey, Jim, how's it going over there? You know, like, hey, John, good to see you. Hey, Susie. <laughs> yeah, it's probably been ridiculous, but it really worked for me. That little tip of remembering everybody's name. I think I shocked people, but it really got me to work with that sales team really well. Anyway, it sounds ridiculous now that I repeat it, but it was valuable. Yeah. Leslie, yeah. thank you for everything. Um, thank you yeah. for listening to us uh, in 2006. <laughs> I guess that would have been sometime 2007 ish. Yeah. Um, for all the investors that you've worked with and continue to work with, um, you probably get the most thank you cards and flowers and gifts that come in to anyone at Rockstar come to you, whether you know that or not, it's yeah. true. Yeah. And uh, people who work with you really, really look up to you. And I think sometimes you don't even realize how much of an impact you're having on their lives. So we just want to thank you for everything that yeah. you've contributed to this whole Rockstar adventure that we're up, uh, still in. Yeah. And uh, it's cool that you found that we were up to something that you, and uh, that we've been up, up to something together yeah. over the last decade. So, And uh, right. thanks for doing the podcast. All right, cool. thank you. Thanks, Leslie. Hey everyone, it's Tom Kratzis. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And if you're listening to this and want to learn more about becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you can check out all the benefits by going to yourlifeyourterms.com. Sorry, what am I doing? Must be, I'm still in Oktoberfest mode. I must have too much beer in my system. That's not the URL. The URL to go to is um, rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member, you can learn about all the different benefits you get as uh, being a part of the Rockstar Inner Circle membership. Um, And if you want to check out the event that we have coming up on Saturday, October 13th, you can go to yourlifeyourtermsevent.com and you'll see all the different session titles and get details and location and the whole bit. So uh, with that, until next time, we'll leave you with this. Your life, your terms.